fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It is the post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week as we carpe diem all over this place, baby. Trying to set the tone for the rest of the week. It's only downhill from here, man. You are almost at that peak. And that's what we're all about, that eternal optimism, seeing the light side. It is not a quarter full with that glass of water. It is three quarters of opportunity left for you to fill up with not just water, but adult beverages and other things as such as well. (laughs) Welcome into the show, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. No guests today. You and I just sit in the chat doing our thing as we have a lot to talk about and break down. Programming note for you today, however, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. I'm not going to mention it much. I am going to say, however, thank you again, as we said yesterday. Yesterday was our, or I guess the last weekend, was our one-month anniversary of our syndicated program. Today is our eight-year anniversary of the Voice of Reason radio show existing. Now, I say that loosely because this show launched before that as well, my very first radio program, internet radio program at the university I went to in college back in 2007 and 8 and 9, I guess. That was the end of 2007. I graduated high school in 2007, so it was that fall year. So between 2007 and 2009, we had started the program. It was named The Voice of Reason. And it lasted a couple years in college before we left. It died off, and then we reemerged from the ashes of the Phoenix to grow again eight years ago today to be an official radio program. And look where we're at now and uh, how well we're doing and all the support. Thank you again and how much we've grown and all the fun that we've had throughout the years. I was, I was thinking of what to do today, and there's really not much we can do or I'm going to do other than just say thank you and just kind of reminisce on some of the great guests that we've had on the program and so many of them that we've had throughout the years. Some of them that are still with us, some of them that have kind of faded away, some that have retired and don't do radio interviews anymore. But again, it all comes back down to you, the listener, and the fact that you have paid attention to this program for oh so many years. Or if you're a brand new listener to this show, I thank you. I love you. You're awesome. You're amazing. The fact that you continue to listen to me banter on about ridiculousness and uh, crazy things each and every day, I can't say thank you enough. So there it is. Happy 8th anniversary to you and to the show for the voice of reason eight years ago today. A lot to talk about today, and it is extremely – I am so excited. So I live in Kansas again, where our flagship is. Today is finally like the hottest day before things finally start to cool off a little bit again. I am excited. I am happy about that because for those that know me in any way, shape, or form, I am not a guy that does well in the extreme heat. This 104-degree temperatures in Kansas that we're seeing right now are – a little bit insufferable. I like my 20 degrees where I will still be wearing my t-shirt and still be wearing my shorts and be going outside in the 15 to 20 degree weather. In fact, I did that when we had that extreme cold stint just a couple years ago where it was negative 20 degrees and it felt kind of nice, got to be honest. So uh, I, I cannot wait for it to cool down by this weekend. It's supposed to be like in the mid to high 80s. And oh man, oh man going to be kind of nice so i am looking forward to that one states however that are not faring well in this heat include the state of texas 
where the electric grid continues to be burdened. And the last I heard was that they had less than 5% of their energy reserves that's still available to them. And they were discussing potential brown and blackouts across certain areas because anybody, uh, everybody was just using too much electricity. Which I thought that we were supposed to put more things on the electric grid, like the EV vehicles, charging your vehicles, and uh, trying to get away from natural gas stoves and putting those on the electricity as well, when we can't even handle the electric grid demands that we have right now. Same with California. Two of the biggest states in the nation, Texas and California. California going through the same thing right now where they're having issues and they're struggling to meet demand to the point where some communities are even telling you not to... i got to say this with a straight face. Here's your news headline of the day. Here's the groundbreaking news for you. After being told to get on your electric vehicle, they're now telling you not to plug in your electric vehicle because you're demanding too much from the electric grid and they cannot handle said demand on the electric grid. Which, by the way... While they say they're going with this alternative energy and this clean energy, quote-unquote, and getting rid of coal, getting rid of oil, getting rid of natural gas, that's not quite the case right now. In fact, the energy grid in the state of California, according to Fox News, is still highly fueled by the fuel uh, by the fossil fuels in the power plants across the nation, with 40% of California's state total power grid supply being supported by... None other than, oh, yeah, that's right, natural gas. Yeah, 40%. 34% is solar energy and the renewable powers, um, but that is only only during the non-peak hours in the middle of the day and late at night. But the peak hours with the morning time when everybody's waking up, getting ready for work, and for the afternoon time when you're actually getting home, you're making dinner, you're taking care of you know family things, you're washing up from the day, trying to turn your air conditioner down again a little bit after keeping it at like 80, 90 degrees throughout the uh, day when you're not home to actually enjoy that. Yeah, that's actually being supported by the natural gas in the state. The alternative renewable energies all of the solar panels that they build across the state of California, all of the alternative windmills and everything they've done there in California, that barely, barely covers the middays when no one's actually at home to enjoy said uh, electricity. But when everybody's home doing their thing, oh, no, 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 we got to use the natural gas because we can't uh, supply it based on those new energy sources. Doesn't quite look for uh, look good for Gavin Newsom, who's trying to run for president, but trying to say that he's not wanting to run for president. And he's doing that by now coming out with a long-term plan, which he will not be there to enjoy with his promotion and what he's trying to do running for president of the United States, by saying, we're just going to build battery plants to make massive batteries to store the electricity, even though we can't keep up with what the demand is right now, with not even everybody being on electric vehicles, we're just going to try and build more batteries to store the electricity so we can continue to wean ourselves off of that evil, horrible natural gas and other fossil fuels. We laid out a 10-year pathway as it relates to the transmission grid. And we've identified 45 projects, $7.3 billion of investments to just transform our electrical grid. We laid out the markers on solar and wind, but we recognize that's not going to get us where we need to go. The issue of reliability has to be addressed, and that's why we're here. And that's why I'm grateful for all of you for the hard work you have been doing. 
<laughs> All right, so he's making this speech at, you know, kind of the ribbon cutting for a new battery power plant that they're uh, manufacturing batteries at this factory, talking about this change to renewable energies because he's desperate to not look like the hypocrite that he actually is. While they try and go after big oil, while they try and go after these uh, fossil fuel companies that are actually keeping them afloat right now and forcing more people onto the EVs across the state, they realize that they have a major problem. In fact, the state grids is dependent on fossil fuel plants during the nighttime and morning hours when solar energy infrastructure isn't producing up to the capacity that it actually needs. According to Fox News, it includes the period of highest electricity demand around 7 p.m. when on Sunday, natural gas generated 45% of the state's power compared to the 27% that was generated by the renewables. Here's the crazy part. According to a spokesperson for the Western States Petroleum Association, Kevin Slegel, he said, quote, on Fox News, California's climate goals come with a high cost to the public needs to understand. The state will need three times the electricity production that we have today. Let me repeat that. The state will need three times the electricity production that the state has today, 30 times the number of EVs on the road and energy infrastructure will need to be built at a historic pace. 30 times the number of EVs on the road and energy infrastructure will need to be built. So, in other words, with all the EVs coming on, the massive increase in demand for electricity when right now they don't need electricity. You put fuel in the car and it goes. You don't need to use the electric grid to actually make that happen. They will need three times the amount of electricity. Now, where are you going to get that? And that's a big question. Where are you going to get that type of electricity? Because it doesn't just come out of thin air. Just, up oh, there's electricity. And you can't use and take away all the land for solar panels because they have massive fields of solar panels that are barely covering the overnights and during the daytime demands for electricity when 40% of it, 45% of it still being used for natural gas during the peak times of actual use on Saturdays and Sundays when people are home and at the prime times between like 4 to 10 p.m. when people are at home making dinner and doing their thing. It's nowhere near being efficient enough to actually work. And then for them to try and triple the amount of electricity is a scary thought when we were going to something that's not nearly as effective. I know it's it's not saying anything new to you, but it's a warning. It's a wake-up call for us to realize that they don't care. They're still going down this road to where they're even telling people, go get an EV vehicle, but don't charge it because the electric grid is being burdened right now. Do not get home and try to charge it right now because it's really, really bad. You can't be doing this. And that should be the wake-up call for all of us. When Texas has theirs, and they continue to shut down coal plants left and right, and they still continue to try and uh, squeeze out as much electricity as they can through alternative means, and be like, well, we have, we don't have any more reserves. Don't turn on your AC past 90 degrees. We don't want it to go down. You need to just struggle a little bit. Don't worry. People have done it in times past. It's not a big deal. Don't worry. The continued importance of fossil fuels, especially natural gas, according to Fox News in California, comes amid the record-breaking heat wave across the nation. And at the end of the day, we're going to see these fluctuations because, wild shocker, it's summertime. And then, and then, just, just to let you know, here's my crystal ball, my here's, here's Andy Hoosier and the psychic that we have. Here's my prediction. In a few months, in like, you know, December, January, February, when it gets wintertime, it's going to get cold outside. And, and then and then you're not going to use your air conditioner. You're actually going to use your heater. 
And because of the fluctuation in temperatures, it could get really cold for a couple of weeks during the January-February stint, and then you're really going to crank up your heat, or at least it's going to be running more frequent, putting another strain on the electric grid that they don't want you to actually have to do. And while all this is going on, you know what the Biden administration's doing? Oh, yeah, the Biden administration, they're working to ban light bulbs because they want things to be more expensive and for you to buy a particular type of product. As the Biden administration, according to One American News Network, has begun enforcing as of today, August 1st of 2023, their new ban on certain types of light bulbs. As the administration's ban on incandescent light bulbs goes into effect, forcing everyone to purchase the more expensive energy-effective bulbs such as LEDs or fluorescents, according to Sarah Fields. According to that tweet, so much for government getting out of our homes in our lives. While we have the administration telling us that the economy's great, we're back on track, people are working, everything's all wonderful and hunky-dory, they're banning products that actually are uh, cost-effective for people to buy to buy more expensive things that may have better quality, but sometimes we don't have the funds to buy a better quality. I would like to buy a better quality vehicle. I can't afford to buy a better quality vehicle right now. I could buy one that gets like five, you know, to 40 miles to the gallon by getting a hybrid. Guess what? I can't afford that. Hey, why can't you just buy that $100,000 electric vehicle, Andy? Come on. It's going to save you money on gas. Well, right now with how high gas prices are, maybe it would actually. But nonetheless, I can't afford to just say, well, guess I'll just go buy that $100,000 car. They're going to force people to buy more expensive products, light bulbs being the latest one. And then while you have less money in your pocket because you're not making more to purchase that more expensive product, they're going to say, hey, isn't the economy doing so great? Welcome to Bidenomics, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch, listen to the show. What's up? Welcome into it on another glorious, wonderful, extremely hot and sweaty, global warming ridden day. Thank you, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So, at some point, we have to just wake up to the reality. And maybe we know it. We just don't like to say anything a whole lot. But... How much longer do we take someone telling us that a pile of dog stuff from outside is actually a burger, is actually some type of chocolate ice cream? Let's put it that way. Uh, how long do they feed it to us and then say, isn't this really good? And we finally just say, no, it's, it's, it's really not. And how long does the PR, I always say that there's two ways that you can be successful in politics. It's a good PR team and a lot of money. And a good PR team, you can literally censor the opposition, you can silence anything negative about you, you can promote your own agenda, and eventually people just become to believe it without thinking on their own, without the cognitive thought, without the critical thinking. But then some people start questioning and be like, well, is that really right? Is that really happening right now? Is that really going on? Latest, which is hilarious, latest CBS poll on the economy. They're dumbfounded. The news reporter's dumbfounded. And how people are still seeing a negative perception of the economy 
while Joe Biden's out there on the campaign trail talking about how great Bidenomics actually is. Job growth may be up, GDP is up, unemployment is down, but according to this new CBS News poll, heading into an election year, many Americans still feel that the economy is not working for them. In fact, struggling and uncertain were the words that respondents chose most frequently to describe the current state of the economy. More than half of them told us they feel like they're staying in place. A third said they're falling behind. And while wages are now finally rising faster than inflation, 70% of Americans told us they're just not feeling that yet. So it's perhaps no surprise that President Biden still isn't getting much credit for an improving economy. People aren't feeling it, they tell us. So his approval ratings for handling the economy are tied for an all-time low. Only 34% approve. Tied for the all-time low at 34% approval of the economy. And the did you hear that? They're dumbfounded. The economy's improving. Unemployment's going down. Job creation's happening. Got 13 million jobs, man. We did it. We did those 13 million jobs. We were successful, baby. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yay! Man, they are all kinds of excited about that. The unemployment's down. The jobs are created. Things are back on track. Everything's wonderful. Why are people still thinking the economy's not doing well? We don't understand Joe Biden just not gaining traction on his economic poll. The obvious is there. Do you see gas prices right now? When they say a third of people are actually falling behind. Now, there's a couple things there, obviously a little bit deeper. We could get into personal finances on how people live outside of their means, which would take people to actually, you know, look at themselves in the mirror and take some little bit of personal responsibility. That is on the table, and I never disregard that in any way, shape, or form, because that's probably one of the most important pieces of this. However... That being said, my student loans just went up. I have a variable rate for my private student loan. And guess what? When the interest rates go up, my payments go up. So while you say that you're trying to get rid of student loan debt and the pressure on people with student loans, um, yeah, mine just went up. My $20,000 student loan has a, get this, a 14% interest rate on it. 14% paying on a $20,000 plus student loan. That's a little insane, and that's really, really stupid. And I can't wait to consolidate that one and get that off of something different. But they're saying the economy is doing great. When inflation, while they're praising it at only below 4% right now, is still up almost 20% for the past three years, making it more difficult to buy stuff. So, yeah, we're falling behind just a little bit because I don't know a single person other than someone who uses a union to manipulate the market for their own personal gain. I don't know a single person that's made a 20% increase in their salary to compensate for the inflation. So you can try and tell me that that pile of dog, you know what, in the backyard is chocolate ice cream. But we're calling malarkey because we know that it's just not true. And the media, not smart enough to grasp that one quite yet. Maybe they'll get there, though. Maybe. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. What's up? Happy Tuesday to you. Let's just carpe diem all over this place, baby. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. We have the AOCs out there giving us a bad rep, dude. I am told this is a garbage disposal. (laughs) But... 
We will do our darndest to try and bring us back to reason, common sense, and rationale, which is what this program is all about. Welcome into it. A lot to talk about today. Holy cow. So we have the heat streak that's still ongoing in Texas, California, obviously in other places in Kansas where we're here based out of with our flagship station and the grids. The idea from the progressives is let's go ahead and let's move things further to the uh, alternative energy side and let's put more things on the electric grid and then wonder why things begin to fail and then we can start cutting off your electricity. That makes, makes a whole lot of sense, right? We'll get back to that issue in just a little bit. Let's get into what's trending today, though. What's trending today? As you know, we've had some concerns with some of our elected officials in Washington, D.C. lately with uh, the lack of cognitive ability, with their age, with their blanking out in the middle of conversations, with not being able to know what's going on, or even just Joe Biden, who, you know, is just kind of doing his own thing. I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Well, we're, we're making sure. We're doing our darn to try and keep that and hold that true. But the young generation, what are they doing? What are they focusing on? We read a stat over the last week where, number one, we've seen an increase in support for socialism. We've seen a decrease in support for patriotism. And the young generation of quote-unquote conservatives say that they're focused more so on social issues and addressing social issues than they are on economic issues, which let's be honest, has been kind of the foundation and the bedrock of the conservative movement and the Republican Party for the last couple of decades, for sure. What's the future look like once my generation, the millennials and others, start taking over and addressing some of these major issues? To talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more, really happy to have this guy on the program today. He is a TV personality, YouTuber, podcaster, and patriot. He is the host of Man in America podcast which you can find online at maninamerica.com. Excited to have on the program Mr. Seth Holhouse. Seth, how are you, my friend? Hey, good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you coming on here. It's it's an interesting conversation because there is kind of two directions the millennials are going. I've seen that they're starting to slowly start leaning a little bit more conservative now that you know they're coming out of the parents' basement and trying to live off on their own and realizing how difficult it is to do so. But is it enough? And do we still have this stigma that the millennial generation is going to be the more progressive AOC style uh, generation moving forward? Well, I think that's what they want us to think, right? And that, that's something I always remind myself of is that they use polls, they use studies, the same way that the big pharma uses a paid study to prove something is good for you, you know, not, not bad for you. They, they use these things to control the social belief, because that belief really then ends up, you know, like look, heading into a presidential election. A lot of people don't know who they're going to vote for or say it's not presidential, say it's a, you know, a statewide election. And they, they see the news that says, oh, this person's up by eight points. Oh, that's, that's what everyone else is doing. So I'm going to go that way. Right. And so I think that when they're telling us this about the millennial generation, and I'm, I'm one of them, unfortunately, I was born in 86. They, but they're, they're, they're representing one part of it. But what I also think is happening, and this is across all generations, but let's talk about the millennial generation, is that people are waking up. And I, I can say a lot of my friends, a lot of people that are younger, they're, they're seeing what's happening. And, you know, look, five years ago, you could have said, yep, they were out there maybe, you know, kind of taking part in a BLM rally. After COVID hit, you know, hit after what happened in 2020, there's just a lot of people that are seeing the truth, and we're seeing this massive resurgence. And, and I, I don't like to look at things in a uh, you know, partisan way of, well, the, the people on the left are becoming the people on the right. What I'm seeing 
is that there's a lot of people that are saying, look, both sides are corrupt. I'm actually much more libertarian. Sure. And I, I want to go back to living how our, how our forefathers lived. And we're seeing, you know, you know, younger people my age, I'm, I'm one of them. Look, four or five years ago, I was living in a high rise in Manhattan, right? Fast forward to today, I was on, I'm on five acres uh, in the middle of nowhere in Ohio with raising chickens and gardens and guns. And so that is not just me. We're seeing this returning back to this sustainable, this way of, of, of this true sustainability, not AOC's green agenda sustainability put junk solar panels everywhere and mm-hmm. you know mine lithium and all that but true independence and true sustainability meaning I can grow my own food right I can raise my own meat etc so I think that and that gives me hope that does give me hope and you're absolutely right I mean I was born in 88 so I'm right there with you and uh, I do hear more and more and more people saying that they're tired of the partisanship. And I don't think that we're ever going to see maybe an independent candidate go and win the presidential election in some way, shape, or form. But I do see more people frustrated with the political parties, the, the partisanship, the two-party system that we have, that I think will either lead to one of or both of the parties completely crumbling and rising again under a different form, or um, them going in and trying to rebrand and trying to fix the parties from within because of the ability that we have because I think you're right, COVID was kind of the eye-opener for so many people, myself included, of, oh my gosh, look how little control I have over my daily life from whether it is food or other resources, uh, medicine, or even just my kid being able to go to school without a mask on their face, how much power we've given away and never recognized it until push came to shove and we had a massive lockdown across the nation. Exactly. And for the the elites or whatever you want to call them, I mean, this is their end game. You know, they, they've been quietly planning a lot of this for a really, really long time because they want us, they want the end goal to be their, their great reset in which we wake up one day and we're in the new world order with the one world government. This is stuff that was tinfoil hat five years ago, but now you're seeing the average person talking about it. They can, they can sense it's like a deer can sense when it's being hunted sometimes. Right. So people are awakening to that. And again, five years ago, these were kind of wild ideas, but now people are seeing it and they're, they're saying, you know what, like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with, go along with this. And so this, this plan though, that's been, you know, decades long, if not longer, uh, this is their end game. And the, the risky part for them is that at the more they accelerate this plan to move us into this technocracy and to move us into this, this control system the more obvious it becomes what they're doing to us. And so that's why the more people that can see what's happening and say, look, I don't care whether you're left or right or black or white or straight or gay, it doesn't matter because anything is better than living under a, a digital prison with, you know, Klaus Schwab and the globalist and Xi Jinping, you know, telling us like how many pounds of meat we can buy every week. Yeah. That is very true. We're talking with Seth Holhouse. He is a TV personality, YouTuber, podcaster. You can find his website at maninamerica.com. Uh, I know you got to run here shortly, but last question for you. We read a study last week that our generation, this younger generation, is focusing more so on the social issues, the abortion, the LGBTQ stuff, the transgenderism, whatever, the conservative younger generation individuals are trying to address those issues and the economic issues are less of a priority for them 
when that's really been the main focal point for the Republican Party and conservatives for really the past few decades. That book, Reclaiming Conservatism, told us to ignore the social issues because the the faith-based issues, the the social issues, uh, were a losing argument for Republicans. We need to shy away from them and focus more on economic policy. The young generation doesn't want to do that. Do you think that that's necessary? And do you think that's going to be a winning issue moving forward for the young Republicans? I think that, you know, when I look at this, I think, what what is the what is the core here? What are the, the, the fundamentals that threaten our freedom? And when I look at a lot of the more social issues, the, the LGBTQ issues, and look, that's important stuff. I don't want them you know, doing drag queen story hour, reading you know, these kinds of these perverted books to the kids at schools. Uh, but I think that in a lot of ways, that is a distraction. It's pulling us away from the core issues that, that I think are the, the much greater threats. And I think those threats really have to do with the economic and not, you know, the, the typical conservative, uh, you know, kind of free market capitalism, that kind of approach. What I'm concerned about is, is the bigger picture, the geopolit- you know, geopolitical, but how things tie into especially the digital currencies. In the central bank digital currencies, and so I feel like that you know the, the communists, which is that's who we're up against right here. We're up against the, the the globalist communists, the Chinese communists. They're all working together and working against each other, trying to lead us into some sort of future world that where they control everything that we do. They know that if they can distract us, this is communism one hundred and one. It's get them to you know to focused on this issue. But that issue is just a ploy. They get the useful idiots out there arguing while they bring in the concentration camps. And so because this isn't 1940s anymore, we wouldn't put up with them building concentration camps. They're building them digitally. And the, the fundamental key to these digital concentration camps is their central bank digital currency and the social credit scores. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think that the, the discussions over all these things, it's important. I'm not downplaying the importance of that because it, it is you know, our children are our future. But if we're living in a world where, you know, I say something wrong online and they deactivate my bank account, we just saw that happen to Dr. Joseph Mercola, a very prominent voice against Big Pharma, et cetera. Chase Bank literally just shut down his bank account. They shut down the bank account of his CFO, his CEO, and their children. So we are entering into an era where the threat of the the digital gulag being controlled through our currency I think is the greatest threat to our freedom because if they can turn your bank account off, it doesn't yeah. matter if Elon Musk allows you to talk about you know the election. I completely agree, and you know how they're going to mesh the two together is the social credit score movement with ESG by starting the social credit score with the business and the financial side of it. It's Seth Holhouse. You can find him online, manandamerica.com. Seth, we appreciate it very much, my friend. we got to take a break here. I know you got to run. We'll get you back on the program again real soon. Lots more coming up here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, it's so funny how that term of ESG continues to creep up. Now, I know I rail on that a lot on this program. I don't apologize for that. Sorry, not sorry. I think it is the most dangerous, detrimental thing that we could possibly have in society today. It is literally going to control the businesses that therefore control us. Because they have now blended crony capitalism 
into the private sector having to work through the public sector and therefore the private sector uh, controlling the masses based on their stances on issues as well and what they support, what they fund, and what they do as a business model. It is unfortunate. And while the younger generation says that they're going to be focusing more on these social issues, maybe it's necessary. As sad as it is, as dumb as it is. here. Here's the thing. We are dealing with massive first world problems, are we not? First world problems in society today. We're not trying to figure out where to find our food. We're not trying to figure out where to find our water. We're not trying to figure out how to build our shelter. We're not worried about some like raiding party coming and burning our village down and pillaging and stealing our women and children and everything of that sort. We're not worried about those. Those are easy times compared to what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with the lowest IQ level of arguments we could possibly have. We literally have people out in society today trying to define what a male and female are in society. I I know it's a weird conversation to be having, but that's where we're at today. We literally have to have a conversation on what is a boy and what is a girl and how people feel compared to what reality actually is. These are the arguments that we have. And we, yeah, we have we have sunk to that level. And therefore, we have massive first world problems. We have uh, completed apparently everything else that humanity can complete. And we're bored. And we had to find random things to argue about because we have a, a sect of society that just needs to argue about things for the sake of arguing. Uh, so now we have to sink to that level and have that conversation as well. And the younger generation is willing to have that fight. Well, there are states that are now trying to push back a little bit on that. Where, again, I can't believe that we even have to do this. The stupid laws that we pass in society. Uh, According to the Daily Caller, our friends just south of me here in my flagship station in the state of Kansas, but the great state of Oklahoma and Governor Kevin Stitt has now officially signed a bill known as the Women's Bill of Rights, defining what a female and what a mother actually is. Because if you remember... There are now universities trying to tell you that you cannot use the word mother, but you have to use the term of birthing person because apparently we don't care for women any longer. We are trying to remove women from society. I never, and I want to tell you this very clearly, uh, progressives, I know you're listening because you listen to this program. I never, ever, ever want to hear you try and say that Republicans are taking us back to the 1950s, trying to keep the women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen to take care of the man, to do the housework, to not have a career. I never want to hear you say that we are the misogynistic sexists that do not care about women's rights in society. I never want to hear those terms again coming and accusing the Republicans of that. Because what you're literally doing is saying that women are unimportant, that women have no value in society in any way, shape, or form, and that you're no longer even a mother or a pregnant woman. You are a birthing person who does chest feeding. You are literally removing women from society, and that is the lowest of the low. So never, never should we ever hear the accusation that Republicans want to strip away rights of women again because you're supporting something that just removes females from society Altogether, and it's absolutely pathetic. So, uh, with that being said, we now have to have this argument. Now, Candace was the first one to do it in the nation, and we did pass this in our legislature this year, overriding our Democrat governor's veto of this. But again, our Senate Bill 180 was again as well a women's bill of rights, defining a a a, a male and a female. Oklahoma, taking it a step further, also defining what a mother actually is as well, based on biological sex and whether you can actually birth children or not birth children. 
wild, crazy concepts. Now, the crazy part, well, I know, it's already crazy. Let's take it up a notch and dial it up to a number 11 here. The crazy part is this could actually go to the Supreme Court of the United States. For the highest court in the nation to hear whether the state can define you based on your biological gender. Because right now in Kansas, where I'm at, the ACLU and trans and LGBTQ organizations are suing the state because we have stopped them from being able to change their gender on state-issued IDs like driver's licenses. And because of that, they say it's attacking and it's offensive and it's not okay. Heaven forbid you get in an accident and the EMS needs to know how to treat you based on the internal organs that you have. No, no, we can't do that. We have to treat you based on your emotional feelings and state of mind, not based on your actual biology. This is the level of stupid that we've come to in society, and God bless the younger generation of conservatives trying to address it and get us back on track. That does it for us today. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.